the rest of us. We're going to be continuing in our study of the book of Exodus. And this series is called The Great Escape. The Great Escape. And to give us a little bit of a catch up on last week, okay? Last week in our message, Winds of Change, the Egyptians saw two of their gods come crashing down as Serapia and Shu were both proven powerless before the one true God. Their complete failure was revealed as an east wind, remember the relevance, brought devastating hordes of locusts that descended upon Egypt by the billions, leaving absolute destruction in their wake. It wasn't until Moses prayed on behalf of the Egyptians that the Lord brought a west wind to remove the locusts and provide relief and restoration. This week, the Lord will bring a supernatural darkness upon the earth and in doing so, further reveal His total mastery over creation, as well as further reveal the powerlessness of the false pagan gods worshipped by the Egyptians in our message today titled, Thick Darkness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, and I thank you so much for the message, God, for the Word of God. It is so incredibly rich and beautiful. And I would ask, Lord, that today, now you know my heart's desire, Father, is not to be seen. Uh, Lord, if I truly could vanish and do this from another place and just have my voice show up, God, that'd be wonderful. I do not want to be seen. I want this to be about you, Lord, through your Spirit. What empower the words that I will share, God, not from me, but Lord, from the Spirit, Lord, that you will lead my words, lead my tongue, God, and that you will direct everything and have our hearts, Lord, ready to receive what it is you have for us. We're a hungry people, Lord. Feed us now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we're going to be in the book of Exodus chapter number 10, verses 21 through 29. Verse number 21, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Interesting. Notice that word, darkness that may be felt. Again, we see that Moses is an extension of God on earth, okay? He is an extension of God. He says that you are to stretch thine hand forward, right? As Moses is an extension of God on earth, guess what? We're supposed to be extensions of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth as well. Moses is doing the will of God, and guess what we're supposed to be doing? The will of God. You and I are instruments for His glory. Now, what exactly does it mean for us to do the work and the will of God? Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, it says this, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, as Moses is being used to bring darkness for a specific purpose, guess what? You and I are to bring light and love for a specific purpose. We live in a broken world. Who can attest to that? Man, it's a broken world. When you go outside these doors, in these doors, it's a broken world. There are Christians that are shattered to pieces. And the beautiful thing is God is a God of restoration that can take broken pieces shattered all over a room and gather them back up and use them for something beautiful and powerful. Philippians 2.15 says this, That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Does that sound familiar? Spiritual darkness. Among whom ye shall shine as lights in the world. Notice this doesn't say that we are lights. It says that we are to be as lights. Lights. That's the key word that we'll see there. And we're going to circle back to that at the end of our message. But as right now, we're going to move on. So God will bring darkness upon all of Egypt. Now, this attack is pinpointed specifically 
at a particular God. Remember, we've noticed from every one of these 10 uh, plagues that we're going to see, every one of them is focused against specifically the deities of the Egyptian people, tearing down their belief system. Okay, And this has been pointed at a God named Ra. R-A is his name, and that's a picture of him. Right? as a falcon and as the sun. He's pictured in creation as the sun, but also he is given actually the power, and they, they attested that he was the one that was the great creator. The great creator was Ra. So what we're going to see here is Ra is going to be proven to be powerless. As this darkness comes in, it's going to completely show how inept he is and the fact that he cannot come and bring the sun like he normally would. He's absolutely staggered, and we see this disillusionment hit them. Now, the ancient Egyptians worshipped Ra more than any other god, and in fact, the pharaohs would many times, many times try to talk about themselves as being an embodiment of Ra on the earth because they were considered to be gods. Verse number 21, we're just going to hit this again. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand toward heaven, and that there may be a darkness over the land, even darkness which may be felt. Now, the fact that it says felt there, how many of us have ever felt darkness? You can't feel darkness, you can feel cold, right? So when it talks about felt darkness, is it possible it might be talking about something a little bit different, right? Has anyone ever felt darkness maybe in fear? Doubt? Anxiety, depression, isolation, loneliness, feelings that are dark. They separate us. They make us feel secluded and alone. And they make us, be, it makes, it makes us easy fodder for the devil to bring destruction. When trapped by these emotions, they can become overwhelming and all-consuming darkness. Absolutely consuming so in this passage, we actually see a physical darkness, but at the exact same time, we see a picture of spiritual or emotional darkness in that word felt. Verse 22, it says, And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Now, notice that three days. Just as a side note, we're not going to go into the study of this, but the number three is pretty relevant in the Bible. It's again and again and again. You see it like the number seven shows up. Think about how many times Jesus was in the utter darkness of the tomb. How long was that? Three days. Not by coincidence, that number pops up. Three days. Now, there's this thick darkness. What's interesting about the word thick darkness, if you do a word search on it, it shows up in the Bible ten different times. Exactly, specifically, the word thick darkness. Now, Deuteronomy 4.11 says this, And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. Six times out of the ten times you're going to see in the scriptures, there's clouds directly related with the thick darkness. And what's interesting about that is a cloud is a scriptural or a spiritual picture of the presence of God. Okay, So we see in the midst of the darkness, God's presence in this thick darkness. Exodus 40 verse 34 says this, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's when the cloud rested upon, right? And that was the presence of God showing it's attached to a cloud. Then at times, the thick darkness specifically says the presence of God. Exodus 20 verse 21 says this, And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. 2 Chronicles 6 1 says this, Then said Solomon, The Lord hath said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. The thick darkness. And it made me think of, I don't know if you guys have ever read, read, if you've never read these books, The Chronicles of Narnia, I highly recommend, if you've not read those to your kids, oh my goodness, 
They're awesome. They're cool. The movies are cool, but the books are way cooler. And my favorite book is one that's called The Horse and His Boy. The Horse and His Boy. And it's about this little boy. His name's Shasta. And his whole adventure that he goes on. All the troubles and tribulations that he struggles with. And all the challenges that he faces. And I took a little excerpt from this. And we're just going to read some little portions of it. Because I thought this was really cool of God's presence amidst the thick darkness. And it says, And being very tired and having nothing inside him, Shasta felt so sorry for himself that the tears rolled down his cheeks. What put a stop to all of this was a sudden fright. Shasta discovered that someone or somebody was walking beside him. It was pitch dark and he could see nothing, and the thing or the person was going so quietly that he could, bury, he could hardly hear any footballs. What he could hear was breathing. His invisible companion seemed to breathe on a very large scale, and Shasta got the impression that it was a very large creature. Further down, it says, the thing, unless it was a person, went on beside him so very quietly that Shasta began to hope that he had only imagined it. But as he was coming, as he was becoming quite sure that he maybe had imagined it, there suddenly came a deep, rich sigh out of the darkness beside him. At last, he could bear it no longer. Who are you? He said, barely with a whisper. Who is, and he says, one who has waited long for you to speak, said the thing. Its voice was not loud very large and deep. And Shasta was a little reassured by the breath, so he, he told how he had never known his real father or mother and had, brought, had been brought up by the sternness and the stern, awful man, the fisherman. And then he stood, he told the story of the escape, that how they had been chased by lions and forced them to swim for their lives, and of all their dangers and Tashban, and about his night among the tombs, and how the beasts howled at him at the desert in the desert. And he told of the, the heat and the thirst of their desert journey, and how they were almost at their goal when, that, when another lion chased them and wounded Erebus, which is the horse. And also, how very long it was been since he had eaten anything. And, and the voice says, I do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions? Shasta said. There was only one lion, the voice said. What? What on earth do you mean? I, I've told you there were at least two lions for the first night. There was only one, but he was swift to foot. How do you know? I was the lion. And Shasta gaped with an open mouth and said nothing. The voice continued, I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you as you slept. I was the lion who gave the horse the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you could reach the king in time. And I was the lion that you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay as a child near death so that it came to shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you in the darkness. <laughs> He's there in the darkness. Verse 23, they saw not one another, neither rose anyone from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So Egypt is experiencing a supernatural darkness. That means there's no stars, there's no, there's no moon, there's no nothing. It's absolute utter and complete darkness. The Egyptians are literally held captive by their darkness. They don't even move, but the children of God are experiencing light and comfort in the midst of the thick darkness. What did God see in Genesis 1-3? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. There is no darkness that God cannot pierce through. How many people do we know that are held captive to darkness today? They're consumed by it, and it's all they can see. And the devil wants to lie to them and keep them in the midst of darkness. Maybe it's been one of us at some time in our life. 
And all we can see when we open our eyes is darkness. But the good news is that God is even present in that darkness. In these instances, we can either allow our darkness to rule over us, or we can call upon God to rule over our darkness. The Israelites could have chosen to sit in the dark, but they chose light. They chose safety in their dwellings. See, as we focus on the sanctity of life this month, right, we think about individuals that are contemplating abortion. And they're either going to turn to choose darkness, or they're going to choose light. They have to make a, a choice of what they want, right? The darkness is filled with fear and lies and confusion and pain. But the good news is the light is filled with contentment and hope and love and joy. Joy that's unlike anything they can possibly imagine. So when we choose the light, we choose Jesus. I skipped a verse I want to share with you. John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light of life. So when we choose the light, we choose Jesus. And when we choose Jesus, we choose life. There will be some that will choose light. Praise God. But guess what? There are going to be plenty of folks that will choose darkness. They're going to have a choice. And they can look at the two options and they will still choose darkness because they believed a lie of an enemy that wants to bring destruction. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he's working in hearts all over this country and all over this world. Verse 24, And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Remember last time he wanted to keep the little ones. He wanted to keep that potential, those children. But this time he says, you can take the kids, but leave, your, leave all your animals here. So we see Pharaoh here is trying to bargain with God. He wants it on his way, done the way he would have it done. Pharaoh will find out that there is no bargaining with the Lord. There is no bargaining with God. God says what He means, and He means what He says. He's not going to change, right? The world is full of people trying to establish a relationship with God on their terms, the way they want it to go. I'll give in if you'll do it my way, God, if you'll do it my way. They complicate God's simple plan of salvation by allowing their pride to try and do it their way instead of His. Verse 25. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Moses explains that, look, the request hasn't, just hasn't changed. We're going to take everything and everybody and we're going. This is the exact same thing that God asked in the beginning. He hasn't changed. You keep trying to change it, but it's not going to change. Verse number 26, he says, Our cattle also shall go with us, and there shall not be a hoof be left behind. For therefore must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. God said we're going to take any, everything and everybody, and guess what? That's exactly what we're going to do. We're walking out of here with everybody. Verse 27, But the Lord had hardened Pharaoh's heart. When he would say he hardened Pharaoh's heart, what that means is instead of changing his heart and trying to impress him and try to bring him or draw him out of that hardened heart, he allows him to stay in that hardened mindset. He was already there. God simply chooses not to break through. And he says, he would not let them go. Only on his terms would he let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, get thee from me. Take heed to thyself, see my face no more, for in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. 
He's basically saying, look, you leave now and do not return because if I see you again, you're going to be killed. And Moses said, that was spoken well. I will see thy face again no more. Pharaoh is sealing his fate. In denying God's plan for the redemption of mankind, we damn ourselves to an eternal separation from God. This is not by God's choice, but by the choice that he has given to every single person on the earth. We hear a lot about the word choice nowadays. Freedom of choice. People of choice. It's called a woman's right to choose, but in reality, the only choice that leads to true life, fulfilling life, eternal life, is choosing Jesus. He is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way. Not one of the ways. He is the way. And you can try to go your way and try to figure out a way to do it through whatever kind of humanistic mindset that you have, but you will find out one day that you made a mistake because he loved you enough to come where you were and was offering you a choice. Now, I said that we go back to, right, what it meant to shine as lights, right, and what that represented in the scriptures. We've spoken about the spiritual night, okay? We talked about this in Acts 1-9. We see where, where Jesus ascends. And when Jesus leaves, he said, I am the light of the world. And when he leaves, no one, the light is no longer on the earth. That means that as Christians or as people, we enter into a spiritual night, a spiritual night. So we're in a spiritual darkness as we speak, okay? We discussed the correlation of the sun in creation that we see every day to the Son of God, right? The sun creates the light as the Son of God is the light of God. And that's sun, S-U-N and S-O-N. We discussed how the moon is a picture of the individual believer. During the night, guess what the moon does? It reflects the light of the sun into the darkness. We are in a spiritual darkness. You and I are, the moon is a picture. We're a picture of the moon in God's creation. Now, how the moon has no light of its own is simply a reflection. So understanding the picture in nature, we're going to take it a step further, okay? A little bit further. Deuteronomy 33, 14 says this, And for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, and for the precious things put forth by the moon. Okay, it says precious fruits brought forth by the moon. We look in nature that the, the, the sunlight brings the fruit, right? But if we put that to a spiritual mindset, and we take it from the S-U-N to the S-O-N, well, guess what? There's a fruit that's brought forth in humanity, in Christians, a fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, and 25 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So the Son, the S-U-N, the S-O-N, brings forth fruit. That fruit is the Spirit that is shown, is supposed to shine in our lives, the fruits of the Spirit. It says in that scripture that the sun brings forth it, but guess what? It says the moon puts forth. It chooses to put forth. It puts forth the fruit. If you and I are a picture of the moon, guess what? We have to choose to put forth these things, the spirit of God. The moon walking is putting forth. Oh, no, look at this. Job 31, 26. It says, if I beheld the sun when it shined or the moon walking in brightness. Outside of Michael Jackson, I don't think any of us have ever seen the moon walking, right? <laughs> when we look at the moon, it just travels across the sky. It's not walking. What's Job talking about? So the moon, remember, reflects the light into the darkness. So if we make this spiritual, we understand it. We go, as a Christian, I'm supposed to shine the light, the fruit of the Spirit, at night as I walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. How awesome is that? 
we see in our very creation the picture of what a Christian should be doing on this earth. With the spiritual darkness that we live in now, we are to shine as lights. One more observation is a lunar eclipse. When it comes to the spiritual night we're in, our, our light, our brightness is walking in the spirit. When we walk in the spirit, we reflect that light. So if a picture, if we're a picture of the moon, then a lunar eclipse is when the world gets between us and the sun. The eclipse begins when we allow the cares of this world to draw us from him. We have a connection with God. And as the world comes between us and him, darkness starts to fall in our lives. And the brightness that we have begins to reduce. And if we're not careful, the earth, the world, can get so much in front of God that it completely consumes us in darkness. We've got to be careful. Today, if you are a Christian, walk in the Spirit and don't fall prey to the darkness. Shine with all His might. And if you're not a Christian, or perhaps you are, but you've allowed the world to get between you and God, right? Seek Him with your whole heart. Have a heart that's broken for God. You've got to have a willingness and a desire to want to know Him more personally. If you're sitting back going, you know what? Delusional. Because I'm telling you, it's for every single I don't care what your walk with God is. It can be better. Every one of us can step it up a little bit more. Every one of us can, lead, can learn to love this book a little bit more. The Bible talks about the key of David. The key of David is a love for the Word of God. And it says that the key of David is to rest upon your shoulder. And when you have that love for God's Word, it changes you. It makes you a soldier for Christ and you walk into the darkness not with fear, not with doubt, not with all the garbage the world's going to lie to you about. But you can stand strong in the face of darkness and you can shine light and love. You can change lives. That's why we're here. It's not about just being happy. It's about being holy. Because if you can be holy, guess what? You're going to be happy. You don't have to stay in your darkness because the best news of all is that he loves us no matter where we are, no matter what we've done. He's not only present in the darkness, but guess what? He's ready in the darkness to rescue, to redeem and restore, not to, to take you to damnation. He wants to draw you out of your own destruction. We can all look back in our lives and the choices that we've made that got us where we are today. Oh, but God doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to hold you accountable for that. He says, I love you in spite of who you are. The way out is Jesus. Will you reach out to him and let him rescue you from the thick darkness? The loving, restorative, fulfilling light of God is really just a prayer away. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. I thank you so much for our message, God. In the thick darkness, we can be assured of the fact that you are present and that, God, even though we may be able to see nothing, we can hear the breath of our Savior. We can hear the footfalls of our Father. As, God, you lovingly reach out to us in the midst of darkness. There are people that are headed to the Trobe Avenue, God, that are believing a lie. They're trapped in the darkness. And as we walk there at that center, help the footfalls of God be heard in their ears. Help the breath of life and love reach out to them. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'll help us to be instruments 
of that light and ever of that love. And as the world tries to get between us and you, I would ask, Father God, that you please draw us unto you, Lord, that we might shine. It's a dark, dark world. But the wonderful thing about darkness is light makes a tremendous impact. One little light can change all the darkness. Help that light to be in this room. God, draw us and help us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know if I'm that light. I don't know where I fall. I want to be a light. I want to stand for the Lord. But you know what? I'm not even sure of God. I'm not even sure that I'm a Christian. You may be online. You can be an overflow. I don't care where you are. But understand, being in church, believing in God, those are good things. But bottom line, that does not make you saved. If you have never called upon the name of the Lord by faith and you've truly asked Him in your heart, not in word, not in ceremony, but understanding that you're a lost person who because of your sin is separated from God. And then He created a bridge with two pieces of wood to reach out to humanity. And that love that reaches across, we have to receive it. We have to take it. As the Bible says, it's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. A gift is offered, but it has to be received. And if you've never personally made a choice to receive it, you don't have it. He's calling out to you today. He's in the midst of your darkness. He is there, and He is reaching out. And all He needs is for you to reach back and say, Lord, I trust you. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, or maybe you have and you did not know what you were doing, but you say, I need clarity and I want to receive Him today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray in your seat. It doesn't take anything special. Again, it's not the magic words of a prayer. It's the heart. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to lead us in prayer. If you want to pray in your heart and mind to receive Christ, you have that option now, no matter where you are. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, Lord Jesus, repeat after me. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for the things that I've done that have separated me from you. I feel your presence and desire to have a relationship with me. I feel you calling me. And today, I surrender my will to yours. Lord, receive me, forgive me, and save me. Lord, because of your love, I thank you for the salvation you've offered me and that I have received. Lord, I will see you in heaven one day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.